With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This crowd rises to its feet. But Carl slammed it home. Garland left wing, three ball. Perfect! Garland part of the lane, locked the only pow! And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow! With the left hand and a foul! Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cast Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. The Cleveland Cavaliers are once again streaking with a statement win over the Atlanta Hawks. And joining me today to discuss it is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling good. They're hot. They're cold. They're hot again. We're streaking. <laughs> uh, a very, very impressive uh, three-game winning streak underway. Um, obviously, an inauspicious start, uh, getting taken a double overtime by Charlotte, but uh, uh, a good old-fashioned butt-kicking against Miami, and then uh, just a really, really fun, uh, well-played game uh, against Atlanta, uh, uh, which is really important for uh, you know, p- potential playoff matchups down the line. This is a team that is trying to be on the same, you know, relative turf as the Cavaliers in, in the standings. And uh, I, I think we saw some legitimate growth from this team over these last three games uh, in some places that were a little bit deficient during the uh, losing streak. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, I, I think this is really, really meaningful. Um, getting that win over Charlotte, like that game, that that was stressful. I didn't get to watch that one live, but the the fact that you blow that ten point lead with fifty two seconds left uh, was ridiculous. Um, you, you know, it, it was stressful. Uh, Charlotte didn't play particularly well. Like I, I thought, the Cavs did a good job on the defensive end. They just happened to you know get out, get the the offense rebounds, generate like seventeen or twenty more shots than the Cavs had on that night. But sometimes you, you have to kind of win those tough ones and. Uh, I, I thought following it up with uh, a game where they took care of business against Miami w- was really big because that uh, that Miami team, I, I know they're shorthanded, but without Bam, without Duncan Robinson, they went down to the wire against a Washington team that we know to be dangerous, right? Like they're up there in the playoff standings and it was a one point loss. You get Bam, you get Duncan Robinson, and I, I think a, a couple other guys returned to the lineup against the Cavs as well. Obviously, no Butler or Hero. But that's a team that's really well coached and plays a defensive style that typically the Cavs have some trouble adjusting to. And I thought you did a really good job highlighting on Twitter uh, just uh, this morning and last night how the Cavs utilize the bigs to kind of mitigate some of that defensive pressure that Miami had. Yeah, well, I, th- I just feel like that unless you have a really awesome personnel and the Cavs are shooting poorly, uh, I just think you are making a mistake playing two, three zone against this Cavaliers team. I know that this is something that, um, you know, that Miami has done for, you know, a lot of the year as a Mm -hmm. way to try to, you know, um, 
you know, patch some some holes, I guess would be a, a, a nice way to nice way <laughs> to say it. Um, but you know, I think that like, you know, I just thought Evan played, you know, his best game of the one of his best games of the year. Um, you know, just just killing Miami and Charlotte, frankly, on, on the short roll. We saw more big to big passing tonight. Um, you know, the the play that seals the game where Allen, after a couple adventurous short roll passes that didn't go so well, which by the way, should show you how hard it is to make those passes. And it's crazy, you know, the hit rate Mobley has on them. But you know, uh Allen finds Mobley on on the uh on the baseline cut for an easy dunk. And you know, that's just been easy money for them, you know, like they're they're able to they are able to just uh you know kind of cook teams from the inside out. And I think it is so exciting um, because, you know, and I said this on Twitter, but I just feel like even though Darius and Donovan are so electric, I just feel like if you, if you gave the, if you gave JB truth serum, I think those plays that like I just had highlights of are kind of what he wishes the team was all the time. You know, like, like I think that is their identity in so many ways. And Darius or Donnie just cooking someone on, on, on a step back off the bounce three. That's like bonus points, breaking glass in case of emergency uh, type of stuff. I feel like the, the bigs are this team's identity, not just on the defensive end, but on the offensive end. And man, I, I just think they've both been so good the last couple of games. Well, and, and that was one of the things we talked about in the losing streak as well, right? Is that keeping those guys engaged and getting them those touches in the front court really helps the the playmaking of the offense overall. Because when we talk about the need for a playmaking wing, it's because there's certain things defenses can do to smaller guards that you're only going to really be able to counter if you have someone that w- with size that can act as that pressure release valve. And uh, the, the fact that Mobley is doing better and better in that role and really blossoming. And even Jared Allen makes really good decisions in those spots, I I think is crucial to the Cavs having a good offense. And uh, I wanted to pull up a a stat that I think highlights this really well. So this is obviously going into tonight uh, against Atlanta, but uh, front court touches. So this would be any touch that doesn't occur. Like if you carry the ball up, that's not going to count as a front court touch. It's a touch that initiates in the front court. Uh, right now, the Cavs leaders are Mitchell with 34, Garland with 32, Lavert with 32, Mobley with 30, and Allen 26. That's pretty high when you look at the, the numbers around the league for front court touches. That's like a very, very even distribution between those guys. And I, I think it highlights that when the Cavs offense is working well, which I mean, it's the fifth overall offense in the league for a reason. It's because so many guys are getting touches in the half court, right? Like, it's not just whoever brings the ball up, gets a pick, and then, you know, just goes to work there. And you look at the contrast with Atlanta, Murray, 29, is their leader in front court touches. That's fewer than Mobley gets. Uh, Hunter, 23, Trey, 23, and Collins, 21. This That's a team that once they bring the ball up, you might pass it once, but you're not getting the ball back. If Trey Young gives the ball up to DeJounte Murray, he's usually not getting the ball back on that possession. And I, I think what you see with the Cavs front court distribution is a team that when it's clicking and when the offense is actually going out and, and performing at a high level, 
there's a lot of movement. Guys are giving up the ball with the expectation that they're going to get the ball back or that it's going to generate movement for other guys. And I think that's so crucial to the J.B. Bickerstaff offense. Well, I also think when you look at those numbers, you know, you talk about the the volume of touches. That's cool. I, I also think you look at the average second per touch. And I think, uh, you know, obviously you see Mobley and Allen very, very uh, low in comparison to Mitchell and Garland. Yeah. Mitchell and Garland are both at five and a half to six seconds per t- average uh, seconds per touch in the front court. Mobley, two seconds. Jarrett, 1.6 <laughs> seconds. And I do think that's very indicative of like, how they play when they're at their best. You yeah. know, I think early in the season, we saw a lot of plays where Mobley was trying to, to, you know, three to five bumps on a back down to generate a good look. And I feel like uh, it's no accident that his play has taken a leap so far in this young season when he started operating out of the short roll again, making very, very quick decisions. When I was pulling film for that, uh, uh, for for the clips I posted this morning, there was a play where he caught it and just immediately sprayed to the corner for a Lamar three. Like uh, his decisiveness uh, and ability to read the floor quickly is one of his innate strengths uh, that you know his many of his peers at his size don't have. And I feel like we're really starting to see him figure out that like, oh, me being impactful offensively isn't me cooking someone with five <laughs> bumps and then, and then a turnaround into a step through into No, it's just like, I'm just going to catch it with like two to three feet of space in front of me, 12 feet from the basket. And I can put up a floater right away that, uh, that looks great. Especially when I have a switch, he got one. I think DeJounte was on his hip when he just, he just rose straight up for, for an easy floater. Uh, tonight I can, he can, he can find cutters when, when, uh, guys come up on him and, and get up and try to crowd his airspace. He can spray out to corner threes when the help collapses through. And like, he can just be such a hub uh, offensively and it just makes everyone's life easier. Yeah, it really does. Like I, I think the play of Mobley has been one of the major keys to this Cavs winning streak. And even tonight, I I didn't think it was a particularly great game uh, for Mobley. I, in oh. fact, I, I would call it a quiet game for him offensively. Few too many turnovers. And one of the things that stuck out to me was that John Collins was really like as Mobley was trying to establish position. Collins was always kind of pushing him further and further out, right? Like a lot of the offense was developing outside of the three-point arc or just inside of it rather than, you know, right at the free throw line where he was getting a lot of those touches against the Miami zone. And I I don't know if fatigue's a factor. Well, I I would assume fatigue's a factor when you're playing your third game in in four nights. Um, But those are situations where if teams are are kind of pushing you out and and trying to... uh, prevent your ability to establish good position. You got to kind of slip some screens. You got to counter that. You got to be active and move around. Um, But I I thought overall, like even though it wasn't as dominant of an offensive night as he's had some of these uh, recent games, I thought he still made a lot of really good plays and the playmaking and the reads that he makes that processing speed, like the time of possession, that to me is just so indicative of how intelligent he is as a player and what a difference he makes for the offense. And well, uh, the, I, I think the fact that's that the... this is a quiet night for him, like I thought his defense was very good tonight, but, yep. but, but uh, the fact that this is a quiet night for him, like it's, it's encouraging. Like I, I feel like we're seeing steady progression from him throughout the season. Here And here's the thing. I mean, like ultimately it's the thing that really differentiates him. 
you know, a lot of guys uh, have, you know, okay touch. A lot of guys, even at his size, there are guys who have who have functional handles. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's his, I think his processor is what makes him, you know, a prospect that we've been so, you know, bullish on. And I feel like he's really started to assert himself physically again uh, after some, um, some uh, quiet games, especially on the boards early in the season, I think through like, through eight to 10 games, he was averaging like six to seven boards, you know, somewhere in that range, which is just like, isn't good enough for his size and how much he spends, how much time he spends around the hoop. And, you know, he's been averaging, I think 11 or 12 boards a game. Yeah. Um, his 12, uh, he almost had a double, double until yeah. Donnie stole it from him, which yeah. is what I'm speaking of. About. <laughs> uh, uh, Marissa just tweeted this out that, uh, he's on the air with, uh, Tim Alcorn, a radio play-by-play guy for the Cavs. He's awesome by the way. Um, and, uh, uh, just still saying sorry for, for stealing, uh, Evans double, double <laughs> quote. You gotta be unselfish in those moments. He signs off the interview with, quote, man, I feel terrible right now. <laughs> Donnie, it's okay. It's okay, Donnie. Uh, you know, to Garland's credit, he he said even when they lost five games, the vibes were still immaculate. And, you know, the the proof is in the pudding. Like, I, the, I think the, the fact that they've managed to do so well on this homestand so far is a real big statement. Uh, obviously, young teams are going to play better at home. I think you see the role guys play a lot better uh, on the home court versus on the road in some of these hostile environments. But looking at that schedule, like, when, when the losing streak was at its worst... The rest of November is very, very difficult. They needed to do well on this homestand because next weekend is going to suck. You're coming off Thanksgiving. You're playing three games in four days in three different cities while Toronto's well-rested at home for that fourth game on Monday. I would love... You know what? I actually considered, Carter, I was going to advocate for, you know, that's just a schedule loss. Let's rest everybody. Let's... You know, t- take it easy. Tor- Toronto's going to be throwing elbows and all that. But after the 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 Grey Cup loss, buddy, I I, I just want to give it to Toronto. I, I want them to feel a little bit of pain. So I, I'm I, I've, I've, I I've already pivoted to, off that. I wanted to actually congratulate you on uh, you know uh, a rare display of um, you know emotional uh, balance uh, <laughs> and not bringing up uh, the Grey Cup defeat uh up to this point i I, i'm actually really proud of you because i know i know that one hurt i know that didn't feel good for you bud that that definitely stung uh there there was some curse to it should i just get it off my chest right now yeah go ahead ahead. we're mid pod anyone who's like kind of not a big fan you know they've already gone to bed by now go ahead knock it out first of all congratulations to the city of toronto for winning a championship (laughs) that wasn't the result of injuries. Um, I, I tweeted this out last night. I, I wasn't just to be spiteful. I think there's a legit chance that it, sports history was made last night that for the first time in sports history, a team that was dead last in attendance won a championship. Carter, can you think of any other example where that would have occurred? Oh, no, no, I cannot. One fifth of Canada's population lives in the greater Toronto area, and there's still average 5,000 fewer fans than the next fewest team. Uh, embarrassing. You know, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, it's on site. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it, but they played the someone, better someone game. Find they, the audio they of, that. It's someone, someone find the audio of me telling Justin that Toronto's a trigger for him. Because, <laughs> boy, is it. Well, you know, uh, thank goodness that the Cavs, I mean, thank goodness the Cavs knocked out of their slump because I, I wouldn't want to see you. 
uh, after after a Grey Cup loss to Toronto, Oof. and then uh, and then you know a couple more Cavaliers losses. So you know, yeah. I'll, I'll call this a win. Uh, in the I'm aggregate calling it a win you, too. Pal. You know, they, they the Cavs were looking out for me, and I, I greatly appreciate that. And you know what, I I think it's time. I, I think I'm ready to say, and I know the Cavs have had a lot of talented teams in the past, but this really might be the best Cavs backcourt in history. Like, it is absolutely insane. I, I tweeted out Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, 55 points and 18 assists tonight. Um, and it felt routine. Like, this didn't feel like an outlier performance. And Carter, your boy pulled the stats. Since Darius Garland returned for his eye injury, he's averaging 26 points per game. 8.3 assists, one and a half steals on a almost 61% true shooting percentage, which is about 4% over league average, 46% from the floor, 44% from three. Mitchell, 28 uh, points per game, over five assists, almost one and a half steals as well, and a 63% true shooting percentage, again, 6% over league average. They have been absolutely ridiculous, and I completely agree. I, I think... Keeping the bigs involved is what makes the Cavs the Cavs. Like, I, I think that their performance helps make life easier for Garland and Mitchell. But how dynamic those two are, it's it's a cyclical thing, right? Like, the, the presence of the guards makes the bigs better and the bigs make the guards better. And when they're all getting touches and they're all involved, that is a special, special group of players. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, what a luxury for me to say that Donovan and Darius, uh, that I don't <laughs> feel like they are the identity of the team because they're so freaking good. Yeah. I mean, I thought, um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, I would have to actually look at the box scores to really lean in on this take. And I know Darius had a, a bunch of turnovers in this game and had some, yeah. you know, some careless moments. I thought this was one of their best, like, offensive engine games as a, as a pairing so far this season. And, you know, they had combined for 18 assists. I just felt like both of them generated a clean look for the Cavs pretty much whenever they wanted to against a team that was not playing bad defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and like all the, you know, I felt like all the wounds for Darius were self-inflicted. Yeah. Um, you oh, know, I don't, big feel, time. I don't think Atlanta was really doing anything to him to mess him up. Um, you know, so like, I mean, I guess you could be frustrated with that if you wanted to, but like, to me as like, I'd rather, I'd rather, uh, self-inflicted wounds to some extent. Cause it, you know, that's so in Darius's control. Um, yeah, I mean, they were, they were really, really awesome. And, you know, I, I, I've noticed that Donovan's, uh, playmaking numbers have dipped a bit since, Garland's come back, like the assist totals are down to, you know, the more reasonable five or six. But like I thought tonight he really did a great job as a playmaker. I just, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, that beautiful Euro step into the feed to Robin Lopez. Just <laughs> Romo I, was fun tonight, man. He, yeah, he was really it, good. Yeah, and and I was really pleased to see Rolo have a have a nice game because he he had a rough one against his brother in Milwaukee, which you know you don't like to see that. Yeah, um, I, I did know, I, I did not love Brooklyn going full Clay Thompson on us. Like, no holy kidding. Hell. <laughs> My goodness. So yeah, I mean, I was ultimately very very pleased um, uh, with with how this backcourt played. And I mean, here's the thing: like, who who's even in competition for the greatest backcourt in Cavaliers history? Kyrie and Jr. I, I'd be that's got to be the oh, it. No, or, no, 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 no. It, it'd be Price and Elo, right? Uh, Elo was not. 
in the same ballpark as these yeah. dudes. Uh, respectfully to Craig Elo, a great Cavalier, but like Donovan Mitchell's an All NBA caliber player, and Darius is well on his way there as well. So like, yeah, I, I, I don't I, think it's I don't think it's disrespectful. Like this, yeah. this is a real. I special think it pairing. might be. It, yeah, it, I I think even without the you know without the receipts, so to speak. Um, you know, without without the track record, it's already the best backcourt in Cavaliers history. Like, well, sure, he, there's there's more the credentialed thing, ones, but man, is there a better backcourt in the league right now? Like, um, I, I, it's like Devin Booker and Chris Paul is probably like because Clay's slumping it and Jordan Poole's not necessarily playing great. Uh, I, I'd have to think about it. Like, Atlanta has a fantastic backcourt, but I I think we got the better of them tonight. Like. Right now, I don't think anyone is playing. There's any backcourt playing at a higher level. I, I think that's probably the the like the fair kind of way to couch it. Is right now, no one's playing better than those two since Garland's come back from his eye injury, and it's like it's impressive that Garland's stats are that good when he had those two rough games where he was feeling under the weather on that West Coast trip, right? Like, yeah, and and I'll tell you what, I feel pretty. You know, it was I was actually uh, I was actually DMing with uh, with uh, Jamal Richardson, uh, our 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 guy friend of the pod uh because i was i was starting to get a little worried about darius's uh finishing inside the arc you mm-hmm. know the the three-pointer has really never been in question for me but you know early on in his career and even up to uh his his second year obviously he was electric in every way last year yeah. you know the finishing around the rim was always pretty pedestrian and mm-hmm. it felt like there was a little regression there. I mean, he was even in the, as I mentioned, even in the Minnesota game, he was like six for 16 from two. Yeah. Last three games, 13 of 18 against Charlotte from two-point range, <laughs> three of five against Miami, seven of 12 against Atlanta tonight. Our boy just needed uh, to get to his spots a little bit better and stop trying so many hard layups, <laughs> like yeah. clearly, because because he has been uh, he has been cooking from uh, all three levels uh, as a scorer uh, since he's been back. And, uh, yeah. Uh, a little uh, little self dunk for my for any angst I might have had. You know what? That's fair. Uh, I'm sure like getting back into game shape uh, was a factor as well. But yeah, Gar- Garland's looking like his old reliable self. And you know what? I'm a man that appreciates reliability, which is why I love the support we get from Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. Carter, I am proud of you for owning up to that, to, to owning up to your private concerns. We, we don't often do that. And I'll do the same. I picked the, uh, the Hawks. Uh, I, I messaged you before tonight saying, I'd be really impressed with the Cavs win tonight. Gun to my head, I'd pick the Hawks. And you know what? I... I'm even more impressed by how this game was won because Atlanta kept making runs. They they kept pushing the Cavs. And we had talked about late game execution being so important for the Cavs and not getting into prevent offense. And I that that was what cost them the, the playing game, in my opinion, uh, against Atlanta. Uh, that and the play of Okongwu, who was great against the Cavs again tonight. I think Atlanta's a much tougher team to defend when Okongwu's out there in comparison to Capella. But like what I really enjoyed, I think it was with five minutes left, where they rolled the ball out and Garland picks yep. it up because we value time on the shot clock and being able to run our offense. And to me, that kind of shows like a level of confidence that this team is starting to have in what they're running. We don't need to play prevent offense. We can run our offense. And honestly, 
when the Cavs are actually doing what they normally do, the the stuff that gets them the fifth-ranked offense in the league this year, it uses up a lot of the clock because there's a lot of guys that get touches, there's a lot of movement, and you're going to generate a better look than standing around getting one screen and then asking Garland or Mitchell to execute in a really, really tough spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, another clip that Steve Jones tweeted out if you're watching on YouTube. I mean, they are they are running, uh, you know, full speed, which is was another critique I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, running running full speed in a set by the 16 second mark. You know, like that's that's what I want. I'm not asking you to be, you know, seven seconds or less sons and nope. you know, be getting a shot up in three seconds, but you gotta get into your actions. Um, and and I think they did a really good job. It's funny that both of us noted uh them walking the dog up the court there and 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 starting the possession at half court with twenty three seconds on the shot clock. Yeah. You know, like uh it's little things, um, but like you know, and obviously we're not in the huddle, we're not, you know, in their heads. I don't know if that was a point of emphasis uh, for the coaching staff and players. No, but, but confirmation bias is kicking in, man. Like, oh, it, it, yeah. if it's something that I've talked about and it looks like, hey, you know, they, they may have felt the, the same way in the huddle, I feel great about that because it, it shows that, hey, maybe we're, like, kind of on the right track. I, I mean, we're yeah. obviously going to have fun when we're wrong, but I, I do think it makes them a more dynamic team when they are playing like that. And um, you saw him in the, the highlight if you're watching on YouTube, but... Jetty Osman is a big part of making the Cavs more dynamic. And Brother. it's nice to see him playing this way, especially, you know, Karis LeVert out with an ankle injury. We probably should have mentioned that on the top. Uh, Kevin Love uh, gave it a shot out there. I don't believe he actually gave it a shot because I, I don't think he attempted one. Um, but, <laughs> you, you, you know, like you're the bench is getting a, a little thin right now. How will Neto se- still seems to be outside of the rotation. So getting good jetty and getting him playing, uh, you know, controlled basketball and really contributing. I, I think it, it, it's monumental because when the Cavs are at their best, Jetty Osmond's usually playing well and a big part of that equation. Yeah, it's uh, he. You know, we've talked about it. He is uh, so often the impetus uh, for uh, these cavalanches, mm-hmm. um, and and was against uh, Miami as well. You know, I, I think that he really, uh, he he, man, was he rebounding against Miami? Um, and uh, you know, his his he's kind of that chaos engine uh, for for this team. He is the he is the high variance uh, bench player, and I think that like you you kind of see him spark them uh, mm-hmm. in the end and and he he is he is chaotic uh when it's bad it's bad no one likes to see that yeah. uh but you know I, I and i don't know if it's like i've seen some folks talk about how oh they just need to give him more run they can't they can't pull the cord too fast i don't know if that's necessarily the case because mm-hmm. like you know sometimes he just doesn't have it you know i even felt like in that uh miami game it took him a while to like, he didn't really want to shoot a ton early in the game because his jumper had abandoned him and he was kind of dry. He was passing up some open looks and then, you know, things started feeling good for him again. And uh, he was a flamethrower. Yeah. So like, uh, I mean, you got to appreciate him. I mean, I think ultimately it's hard to count on him like every night because of, you know, how low the lows can be, but man, the highs are higher than any role player, not named Kevin love uh, on this team. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, he is someone that can provide playmaking. He can provide volume shooting. And 
you know, I, I thought he competed well on the defensive end as well, right? Like, he is going to, to have some lapses, but when you're talking about playing solid team defense, you just need to, you know, be in position, be active, uh, shuffle your feet, and not make mistakes. And um, like the presence of Mobley and Allen are going to clean up a lot of the rest there, right? And, and Donovan Mitchell and, and Garland, like I, I said before, they're, they're basically averaging three steals a game. Uh, combined between the two of them since Garland has come back. Like, th- this is a team that's, you know, they they got active hands. They can be disruptive. And I, I think Jetty is capable of being disruptive. He had that big block uh, at, at the end of the half as well. I, I, I'm really encouraged. And I, I think what we were hoping for was that in having Garland and Mitchell, it was going to give him a certain more reliability that he'd be playing with a playmaker at all times, right? We we talked about the numbers last season prior to the Rubio injury and after the Rubio injury, and it, it was night and day for him. And it seems like he's finding more and more of his groove. And every time the Cavs go on one of these winning streaks, forget just the Cavalanches, every time they're on a winning streak, Jetty is usually a pretty significant part of that equation. So I'm I'm encouraged to to see that. And you know, especially with Dean Wade being out, like I I don't think. I don't think it's overstating it to say like it's really, really impressive that he's stepping up at this time because without Dean Wade, that wing rotation is very, very thin. Especially given how big, you know, like Isaac or I'm sorry, like Isaac is still only like, you know, he's six five. Yeah. And and like, I think some extra size on the wing really goes a long way. And Jetty is a is a true, you know, three sized uh, player out there And, and also his quick trigger He's one of the fastest jump shot releases in the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he can destabilize in a way that I don't even think Dean can when when Dean is is shooting really well because of how quick Jetty gets the shot off and the kind of, you know, when when it, it starts to heat up, I think it starts to kind of induce that panic. Um, Jetty also has been really, really good in transition. Yeah. Um, just running so hard. Like, I, I remember the first time I watched him, you know, in person. I was like, "Damn, Jetty is really, really fast," and that has not uh, <laughs> that has not changed. You know, he's not a vertical athlete. He's not like a great leaper. Yeah. Um, but man, he can really move. Um, you know, straight line uh, up and down the court in transition. Uh, I think his finishing's been really, really good. Um, I think his playmaking's been good enough. Yep. Um, uh, and yeah, I was just really, really impressed uh, by him these last couple games. And you're right, like you can't count on it but like when it's there like the Cavs kind of feel that much harder to beat yeah no I, I completely agree and I'm eagerly uh waiting for Dean Wade to return to the rotation uh we got some clarity on uh what he's dealing with apparently he's got an uh, infection in his knee and uh waiting on antibiotics to bring that down so wishing him all the best just had a birthday birthday boy Dean Wade uh the other day so hopefully he comes back to the rotation but uh, there was one interesting move uh, since we last podcasted, which was the changing of the starting lineup to move Karis Levert to that six-man role and start Lamar Stevens in. Um, well, I, I don't, I still don't think that lineup has been particularly good. Uh, I thought tonight was the first time that the, that starting five really uh, got off to a great start and, and set the tone. Um, I do think that it has helped balance the rotation and, and Lamar. Honestly, I, I thought tonight was his best game of the season uh, against the Hawks. I thought he played fantastic defense on DeJounte Murray. Uh, typically, he doesn't do as well defensively against guards, so I, I think that that was 
really encouraging to see. And uh, I thought he, he really has competed and given the Cavs really good energy since being inserted in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Lamar definitely deserves some flowers here. I, I think that he did a really as good of a job as you can do on Giannis. Um, you know, played active hands, bodied them, fouled him a lot, but you know, that's what you gotta do when you guard yeah. Giannis. It's like garden shack. You don't like there's there's no road to guarding Giannis that doesn't involve fouling him a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, whether you get called or not. But I thought his hands were really active and he, you know, he forced a lot of misses uh by being so active uh in mm-hmm. that game. And then, you know, I think this is where we have to own up to kind of a a take we just kind of often throw out there as as you know immutable fact, which we say, oh, you know, Lamar's good against bigger wings, but when you when you put him on a guard, it yep. doesn't go so well. And man, was he good against Dejounte Murray? Yes, and, and Dejounte's got wiggle. Like that. That's usually yes. what I say is that anytime he he goes against someone with wiggle, you're kind of running the risk of foul trouble. And I I thought he did a very good job playing disciplined defense of really making Dejounte work. And I I thought it was honestly it's one of the best defensive performances I've seen him have against a guard. And he absolutely deserved the junkyard dog chain tonight. Yeah, I mean Dejounte was in uh was in prison all night. I mean eleven points. Four of seventeen from the field, only earned two free throws, had four turnovers to his six assists. Mm-hmm. Um, never uh, was able to impact the game uh, off the bounce, really. Um, and obviously, you know, some of that is just like bad, you know, good luck if you're a Cavaliers fan. Dejounte's jumper was just really, really off. His touch was not there tonight. But I thought, I thought Lamar completely stonewalled him for many easy ones. Anytime he was uh, the primary. Um, and he deserves a lot of credit for that because that's one of the things we've said, that's just not something he's good at. So I don't know if that was one good night. I don't know if that's something he's been working on, but he deserves a lot of flowers. Can I say something way off topic? Uh, Because I freaking loved it. I loved that Darius Garland took the Trey Young assignment tonight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trey had a good game. Uh, not an amazing game, but he had a good one. There are a couple Mm -hmm. of times where. He cooked uh, Darius, but I felt like in the play-in game, the Cavs worked so hard to um, hide Darius from that matchup that Mm -hmm. I feel like they kind of broke some of their fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it it was a junky defense that worked in the first half, and then by the time they figured it out, it just was over. The Cavs could not generate a stop to save their lives. And even if... Trey is going to, you know, make Darius look bad a couple times. I think the Cavs are, I think the Cavs coaching staff is really, really smart to say, hey, if we're going to be like a title team in the next couple of years, you're going to have to guard someone who's really good, yeah. Darius. And, you know, to, to try to stash you on a non-threat, like we might get away with that every now and again, but like it's not a, a, a path to sustain success especially when the strength of the Cavs defense, in my opinion, really lies in how strong that shell they can make is. It's like, yeah. hey, if, if if I do get beat, I got a guy who can protect me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, uh, I think it bared itself out. The Hawks had 104 offensive rating tonight, perfectly acceptable against that kind of offensive talent. Um, and I thought Darius did a nice job. Like, you just have to compete and then, and and play within your scheme uh, against the Hawks, and I think you're gonna you're in a much better shape than 
trying to throw like a lockdown defender on Trey Young, who is, you know, relatively unguardable, especially when he's getting when he's able to draw fouls. So I oh, just God. love that. I, poor poor I, Isaac, man. Poor Isaac. Poor, poor Isaac on, on Trey, because I, I thought a lot of times he wasn't even reaching in there. there were, I think it was the fourth uh, one. Trey, Trey on literally the, grabbed his arm. Yeah, like the, the fourth one. Okay, fine, whatever. He, he was reaching in. But the, the third, especially when he was shuffling his feet on the screen, like that was driving me absolutely nuts. I don't think anyone yeah. gets a, a worse whistle than him. But like we right said, now, no. But to that point, like, I just love that the coaching staff said, Darius, we want you to take on this challenge. And I hope they keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, because if if you have to kind of like throw all this stuff into flux every time uh, a, a, an elite guard comes to town, yeah. I think I think you're really going to be breaking, breaking your own back, uh, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face here and, and really uh undercutting what makes this defense so special so i loved it i thought darius played really good defense on trey uh i thought donovan had one of his best defensive games a couple plays late where he just stonewalled a couple actions by just going chest to chest with his man um and 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 not you know and 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 playing super physical i just i was really pleased i was really pleased with with the with the defense from pretty much the whole starting five in this game yeah uh, honestly i I know the Boston wins were great, but I, I, I feel like this was their most impressive win of the season. Um, just considering how shorthanded they are, uh, considering you're down your best uh, kind of defensive forward, like true forward in Dean Wade, like Dean has been so important, like when you're defending Tatum and those kinds of guys. And uh, Levert has given them juice uh, in playmaking, even when the shot isn't falling. Uh, being down both of those guys, Second night of a back-to-back. Atlanta's got the rest advantage. You're playing a very dynamic backcourt in. Historically, like, you know, the these elite guards do put up big numbers on the Cavs. And you're right. Darius stepping up, Donovan stepping up, and, and the, the whole team stepping up has been big. Cavs, I, I was just looking this up, Carter. Over this winning streak, uh, they have a uh, 100 defensive rating, which would obviously be best in the league. Uh, just uh, 100.6. This is surprising, though, and, and you know, I, I was I've been trying to like quantify the the new starting lineup and figure out what's going on defensively. What would you guess Lamar Mobley and Allen's defensive rating is over this three game winning streak? Uh, I'd say like I don't know. I'm gonna say 104. It's 119, which would be the oh, worst, wow. in, which would be the worst in the league, and, and that's. I don't know what's going on there. Like you look at the the on off splits, and right now I I think it's like Lamar and Mobley uh, that that have the worst defensive on off splits. Which I guess on the one hand, especially with Mobley, you're due for some positive regression there. I, I think definitely some of that time that he was playing without Allen uh, hurt, especially when they were in that slump. Uh, the Minnesota game uh, being a, a big one where you know you you gave up a lot of points in those spots, but I. I still am curious to see. I, I think there's going to be more tinkering with that starting lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if Dean gets that nod once he comes back. But I, I do think that the effort that Lamar has played with has been really big for them. And I'm I'm happy to see once again, when you're in a situation where you're down guys and you need someone to step up, that you have this guy that, that always stays ready, that's going to play very hard. And uh, d- despite his limitations, makes an impact out there and i really do think it's helped kind of stabilize the rotation and it was a smart adjustment to make 
Yeah, I think so too. Obviously, we haven't really gotten to see it all bear out because Karis got hurt right away. But I yeah. thought Karis was doing a really nice job uh, playmaking against uh, Charlotte, and I'm I'm hoping he'll be back soon. JB said he's not in a boot uh, or anything, so I'm hoping that we'll get to see him. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I saw there was a tweet that said that there there wasn't swelling after the game, which is really encouraging. And I I mean it, it makes sense. Like I, I think the Cavs have been pretty smart actually, just resting guys one one or two games let them get right uh did that with mitchell against minnesota which you know it's it's painful that you lose a close game but donovan's looked great uh alan you you managed to give him a week off and he only misses two games and and he looks great since he's come back so uh i I think that they've done a really good job kind of managing those situations and now you play a portland team uh without damian lillard like if you can go four and oh in this homestand and the Blazers still aren't a pushover. They're, they no, they they push they they push the Bucks tonight with Drew Holiday back. Um, even without Dame and Simons is going to be a handful defensively. Um, so you know I'm 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 curious to see how that game goes and if you can finish off that homestand, I, I think that that's meaningful. But we do need to talk about uh, one one of my favorite parts of, of the last few games, which is Isaac Okoro getting out of his slump. Like, I know that this wasn't a, a big offensive game for him, uh, but he's been playing better. I thought he was very good against Miami, probably his best game of the year. But the third quarter through, like, the I'd say the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, I thought Isaac Okoro was defending his butt off as well. Like, he absolutely clamped some guys and really made an impact on this game. And I'm I'm happy that, he you know, he he's back being a little more confident with the shots that he takes uh, since his offer start uh, from three, he's now four of 10 from three. So 40%, uh, but he, he's at least taking those shots when he's open. And that, that is the, the, a really significant development because if Isaac can just get back to, to where, even where he was at last year in, in terms of like shooting splits, that, that makes a big difference because he is the, probably the best perimeter defender that we have. Yeah. I, I think that, even though you look, if you're if you're just looking at the game log, you're probably not seeing a major difference outside of the Miami game. Or ooh, that first and second quarter were fun. Yeah. Um. But you know, ultimately, like I think we're back to uh, Isaac was not playing particularly helpful basketball, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, to start the year, I I, I wasn't. You know, I I would I, like. I think to it was think... The, the first time that the, that was really the case because b- before it's like quiet but the impact numbers are there and the team's better when he's on the court we're at and least back to that happening. point yeah yeah and and i would like to think we're nuanced enough uh and and you know hashtag no ball enough to know <laughs> when uh when a player is helpful even if the counting stats aren't aren't really there and vice versa and i just i was every time he was out there it was kind of you know i felt like i was holding my breath to start the year he was just having a really rough time yeah. Uh, and I feel like he's even though the box score numbers aren't crazy good or anything like that right now, I, I feel like he's back to playing the helpful ball. And, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that he feels that and is starting to feel some normalcy in uh, in his uh, in his stints on the court and mm-hmm. can uh, can can keep finding his way back to where he was last year, because I thought last year he was a very helpful player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the the play in games got all the attention but it, it ignored that hey they were a very good starting lineup with him uh that was one of the best lineups in, in the league um last year and 
he was a significant part of that. Like he, he really helped that be a good defensive lineup uh, and would pick his spots on offense and has had some good offensive games. And uh, like we said, when he was slumping and even when the Cavs were slumping, you need to invest in trying to get him going at the very least until Rubio is back because the upside of what he can do if he gets it going, if he regains his confidence and if the work in his off that he put in in the offseason of fixing that jumper and uh, changing the mechanics and all that, if he starts getting confidence and that starts to bear fruit, that really solves a lot of issues on, on the perimeter. I, I still think, obviously, we'd love to see another wing. There, there's an open roster spot. You never know what opportunities are going to be there. Who knows? Maybe Cleveland's going to be a buyout destination this year, uh, finally, now that they're, you know, they're going to be in good position, we would hope, uh, come All-Star break. But um, I, Isaac is one of those kind of internal paths to raising the ceiling or, and at the very least raising the floor. So uh, just the signs of life that, that he's getting on the right track, I, I think is encouraging. Yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. So next game, Portland, uh, we're, we're going live uh, after the Portland game as well. Aren't we Carter? Yes, we are. It's uh Thanksgiving week. There's no other time to go. You know uh, so, so we're, we're, I guess we're just a post game pod type of podcast these <laughs> days, Justin. We're, we're just that versatile. We, we can change it up. You know, sometimes we're, you're doing the macro thing. Sometimes it's a little bit of post game action. I'm not looking forward to next weekend. I, I've got a lot of dread, uh, over that, that whole thing. Uh, it's going to be all right, buddy. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's. You know, I, I'd like for the uh, Toronto game to be a little earlier in it because I'd like us to be at our best. But you know what? Sometimes the, the schedule doesn't do favors. And honestly, it's worth noting that even though we've had all of these games in November where we don't have the rest advantage, we have more rest advantage games than most teams in the league. And most uh, I, I think for the next couple of months, we don't have more than one or two like third game and four nights back to back situations. So a lot of them are front loaded in November and we've navigated this first one. Well, we won three of those games. That's really, really significant. So hopefully they can carry that momentum and get a big win in Portland. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, buddy. And big thanks to everyone tuning in live on YouTube. Really appreciate you guys. Make sure you like and subscribe. Click notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord's chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cats!